The Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision. My team, Kanda, power. I love the power. power, power. Hello I and uh, welcome to the Port Adelaide Preview podcast for the Round 17 match uh, being played against Essendon on Saturday afternoon. We'll start about 4.30pm uh, Central Standard Time at Adelaide Oval. Uh, I'm Portia, and joining me, as has been the case every week this year, is Maka. Maka, how are you? Mate, pretty good. I'm pretty good on uh, Are You OK Day. So, uh, yeah, decent day yeah, today. Are you OK? That's the question to be asked. Uh, no, it's not. <laughs> are you OK, Maka? I'm, I'm content. That'll do. Fair enough. Reasonable. Um, yeah. Mate, we've well, both done... I am looking forward to this podcast because we've both watched Essendon <laughs> a lot this year. Um, we've got a lot to say oh, about so them. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I think between us, uh, we've watched about 85 minutes of Essendon football this year. So, if you want to know about the right. Bombers, this is the place to be. <laughs> We're about to double that amount of uh, football knowledge in the next... Uh... Four days or whatever it is until Saturday. Yep. The uh, no, look, I haven't watched Essendon consciously watched Essendon play a game this year. I might have seen them on the TV at some point when I was begging out, and I forgot to change the channel to something worth watching. But uh, that'd be about it. But uh, and Matt, how, how many games have you seen Essendon play this year, this year so far? Look, I've seen uh, bits and pieces of most of their games, but in terms of watching a full game, probably only one or two, I reckon. Yeah, 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 that makes sense. Because, honestly, if, if you're an Essendon fan listening and say, ha-ha, I wonder what those sport people have to say about Essendon, this is what we're going to say. You're not worth watching. You're not worth no. watching right now. It's, no. Sorry, it's just how it is. You don't have an interesting uh, senior coach and your replacement coach next year is not that either. You don't have good senior players that people respect and want to see them playing. You don't have good young talent. Like You've got nothing going for you guys. I'm really sorry, but that's just how it is. So uh, What what I've come to realise yes. in my uh, extensive watching of Essendon this year is that they are yes. basically 2015 to 2019 Port Adelaide. Yeah. Because I, 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 their list is actually it. very talented. They've got a very good list. Oh. And they've, they've traded... Uh, specifically to try and go deep into finals over the last few years. They've brought in a lot of talented players um, and they've drafted pretty well, but it just hasn't come together. Like Their list should be sending them into finals this year and it's not. So you can understand why it's worse falls last year. And maybe that's had something to do with it. Maybe it's bad coaching. Maybe they're just going through the motions. I don't know, but um, they're very, very unwatchable. They're very, very boring. Um, and they're not very good. Well, I mean, I know that you're talking about the brought-in players to get them a, a, a shot at the finals, but, I mean, you've got to do two aspects of that, don't you, Mac? Like, they've brought in, you know, guys like Shield, obviously. They've brought in, um, oh, what's his name? Stringer, Kevin Smith. And, Smith, yeah. yeah. But the issue is that, if all you're doing is bringing in these senior players and your junior acquisition is kind of shit, then it's not going to do the job. And I, I mean, I guess that's, I don't know if that's the Port Adelaide story for the last four or five years. I think we've started getting it pretty well, certainly the last three or four. Um, whereas I don't think Essendon, like when's the last time you thought Essendon had a good draft? Oh, I think they had one in 2016. They yeah. got McGrath, actually pick one. They got to Ridley, 22. Um they got Draper that year as well. Um, so, so what you're saying is they had the number one pick in a, in a draft year. Got it. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> so, apart from having the number one pick in a draft year, like you wouldn't say that. Apart from that, they actually had a good run in the last five years. So, yeah. but that's that's a lot about where Essendon are at, really. Like you're just looking. I'm just looking through this now, and there's not a lot of players that I go, oh man, I'm really disappointed we missed out on drafting them. Uh, yeah, I, I would I say that's struggle. that's probably correct. Look. Yeah, looking at them, looking at their drafts now, they haven't been all that good. Yeah. But they have gone for um, ready-made players in that time. As I said, they brought in Shield, they brought in Phillips, they've brought in Saad, Smith, Stringer, Stewart, Josh Green, who's no longer there, uh, Lewenberger, these sorts of guys. Um, yeah. yeah, it hasn't really worked out for them. But, I mean, it's amazing. How long is it now since they've won a final? 
what was it, since 2002 or something like that? 2003, maybe? Something ridiculous. That's a lot. Yeah, 17 yeah. years ago. 17 years since Essendon wow. have won a, a final. Like, growing up, you know, Essendon were one of the most feared teams when I was a, when I was a boy. Um, you know, they made a lot of... Mm. A lot of grand finals in the 80s, won premierships, then the baby bombers period where they they won that flag in 93 and they obviously dominated in arguably the best season of all time in 2000. And, you know, they were a feared club. They were arrogant. Their supporters were arrogant. Their players were, you know, tough and annoying. Guys like Hardwick and Moorcroft and Johnsons and Solomons and all these sorts of guys. And now there's, like, adults who've not seen Essendon win a, flat, uh, win a final. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, like, who would have it's, ever thought that would happen? Genuinely wild. Um, and I, I guess the, the most disarming part, and again, sorry if you're the Essendon fan listening to the Four Adelaide podcast just to see what it's like, but um, the most... Oh, they would have signed off by now, surely. <laughs> oh, well, you never know. Like, if they've been following Essendon for this long, who knows? But... Um, it's hard to see what they're even trying to do now. Like in terms of their list management, like what are they trying to do now? What is the plan? What is the structure they're putting in place? Like I just can't see it. I can't see it. I can't see that. If and we'll talk about their game plan soon, um, and you just look at the game plan, like how how they're how they're moving the ball, how they're using the ball. It just it seems nonsensical. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, look. Um, we didn't have a hot topic, but I did see there is a couple. There is a couple of hot topics I want to bring up though. Yeah, okay. Oh, please do. I mean, I'm not sure they're hot topics, but they're topics. We can talk about topics. Yeah. Um, sure, it sure. is the two former Carlton number one picks retiring today in Matty Cruiser yeah, and Bryce Gibbs. Oh, Gibbs. Okay, sure. <laughs> he retired when he went to the Crows, let's be real. Yeah. <laughs> so Cruiser just... Uh, it's, look, his career obviously didn't pan out the way it was meant to, uh, mostly because of injury, but... You know, it's a real shame because whenever he's been fit, he's been a pretty good player. And um, as I said on the forum today, like I remember back to his first year and it was probably like his 10th or 11th game playing us at uh, Footy Park. And he'd get three goals in the last quarter to win them the game. And he thought, geez, this kid's going to be bloody fantastic when he uh, when he grows up a bit and gets fit and stronger and all that sort of stuff. But um, unfortunately, he did his knee the next year and... He's just been injury riddled ever since. Yeah, look, I mean, it kind of was a bit of a devastating thing. I just saw that he's retired because, for me, like, and this is probably just a sign of age, and it might be for you as well, Mac. But for me, he's a kid that started only a few years ago, and it's been thirteen years or twelve years anyway since he debuted, since his first year on an AFL list. And it's like, wow, you know. Mm. But I don't think he ever really got anywhere near where I would have thought he would have been at the end of his career. Um, not even close. Like he's, you know, he was all right, Ruckman, but I don't think he ever really, I don't think he ever really tore teams apart, did he? Like at any point, like he might have been productive, but I don't know that you could say he was sort of like. I, I don't think you could say he's had one game as good as any of Zach Butters' ten in terms of just you know game ripping ability. I just don't see it from never saw it from Quirtsy. So it's kind of amazing that he's. I mean, it's his. He's he did make an all Australian squad a few years ago. Oh, yeah, but consistency, though, isn't it? And, you know, the sympathy Carlton player. Um... <laughs> no, I think well, you're a little bit harsh. I reckon when he was fit, he had a couple of years where he played most games, and I think that's when he I found his productive. mojo. Um, but I outside of that, he just gets <laughs> has just been injured too much, and you know, it's probably unfortunate for Carlton that uh, it didn't pan out that way. I mean, I guess this is bringing it back to Essen. I guess it's a little bit that number one thing in it for me. A number one pick, you need it to be a player that can rip a game apart. And I don't think Andrew McGrath can or has or will at Essen in, in the way they're running him. And certainly, I don't, I don't think he quite did. I think he was. I think he played some good football, but in terms of giving you that match running ability that you would normally expect for the most talented player in a draft year, I don't think he ever really offered that. Yeah, fair enough. Unfair, probably. No, it's probably fair. <laughs> And uh, baby Bryce, uh, what yeah. uh, what are your thoughts on him? Oh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it gives a shit. I don't think there's been a player that's been you know widely disliked by Port Adelaide fans before they've even been drafted, like Bryce Gibbs. 
and uh it's been wonderful though it's just been wonderful i've got to say uh, like just his whole career has been fantastic from that you know from him you know from his old man being the biggest tosser in south australia uh through the 80s um his playing career to him uh throwing a tantrum because glenelg was lined up with port adelaide so it meant that bryce gibbs would be uh a port adelaide you know "Quote unquote father son player," so they got that changed so that he could play for the Crows. Only to find out that he didn't actually play enough games, uh, so he didn't qualify for the Crows, which was hilarious at the time. And Uh then goes to Carlton and does nothing, and then costs Adelaide two draft picks and does less than nothing. Um, I'm so happy that his career panned out the way that it did. So happy. He just can't strip it for a Port Adelaide fan than the Bryce Gibbs saga. It's just hilarious. And look, at no point, I know that you were into Bryce Gibbs coming to Port for a little while, but at no point did I ever feel like, haha, he might come to Port. It was just easy to just have complete contempt for him from day one to day to, until today and probably onwards as well. Just wonderful. Oh, Truly wonderful. I'm not sure I'd be able to handle Bryce Gibbs playing for Port Adelaide. I'd, I'd feel dirty all the time. Like, I need to have a shower and I'd end up killing myself in the shower from scrubbing too much, you know. And uh, my skin just well, falling have... off and bleeding to death because I've got no skin left because I'm scrubbing myself with a scourer in the shower. But, well, uh, I mean, I definitely remember you talking up him maybe coming to Port at one point when he was still at Carlton. I'm pretty certain that happened. Oh, I'm not sure. I don't know if it happened on the floor. I can't podcast, remember so. that. I can't remember that, but it might have happened. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't yeah. know what I was thinking at that time of my life. I'm not sure, but uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's it's just great that uh, you know the missing piece. Um, yes. yes, did not turn yes. out that way. And uh, look, it's it's We're kind missing. of a surprise because look, he was a I don't know. I pegged him as an absolute Monty to play 350 games. Like he, but when he came to the Crows, he barely missed a game for like a decade, mm. and just. Like, his descent has been quite staggering the last couple of years. Yeah, look, I mean, that's probably a fair comment. But also, like, at the time he came to Adelaide, it felt like he was coming to Adelaide to retire, right? Like, that was the reason behind the move. Oh, yeah, um, no he had been off the boil. He had, I mean, he had been a bit off the boil at Carlton before he came to Adelaide. It's not like he came over as a, a bona fide superstar from Carlton. He was already on the, off the boil. Um. So I, I'm not too surprised by how he sort of wound up with the pros, but I, I'm sure as shit they are. Absolutely. Uh, and as far anyway, hot topics. As far as hot topics, also just before we started the podcast, I see there's a news thing about the AFL talking about leaking leaking stuff again about how they're going to make short quarters, 18 minute quarters, and a 28 round season. 28 round season. Wow. Okay. 28 round season with 18 minute quarters. So is that a definite or is what that a, reckon? what is that? Or is that, that just like a, that rib- is a leak through, that is a leak through seven news Melbourne. Okay. Well, I have not seen mm. that, but I did hear Hutchie on the sounding board podcast, um, a couple of weeks ago mentioned that, uh, he reckons it's an absolute definite that it'll be a larger season next year. I think yeah. they've, and look, they're, they're pretty happy with how the, um, you know, the, the footy frenzy or whatever, whatever they're calling it has turned out and they see that there's no reason why that can't continue uh, a couple of times uh, during a season uh, from now on. Well, and it's not just that, but like 28 rounds, I, I guess from selling a commercials perspective as much as anything else, like, um, having longer games doesn't actually add all that many commercials to it, but the fact that you've got you know an extra what five rounds, yeah. um, that's five more intro shows you can pack with adverts. That's five more wrap up shows you can pack with adverts, um, and you can still put the same number of adverts in the breaks between quarters and the half time. So yeah, uh, yeah, it's just there's plenty so much so many more promotion opportunities, Macca, to have it for the eight rounds. So uh, yeah, oh, I, it's I, no I, doubt that it's just think... to uh, to improve their revenue after yeah. this season. Oh yeah, um, yeah. So it's basically with that and shortened quarters, it's like less product, more 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 packaging, pretty much. That's yeah, exactly how it's working out. So yeah, there's no way that's not going to happen. That'll definitely happen. That sounds just lock it in. Yeah, I'm not no sure how I feel about a 28 round 
season. I, look, I would prefer it to stay at oh. 17 rounds. Play everyone once, then there's more of a premium on the product. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Like, how do they determine 28 rounds? And who's like who doesn't play each other twice sort of thing? Like, it just adds a bit more conjecture to the fixture, I think. I, I personally feel like the, um, it's going to work in Port Tabor mm. because it makes it harder to avoid playing, avoid sending ship teams to Adelaide and it makes it harder to only send us against good teams in their home grounds. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, it's hard. But the closer you come to playing home and away against every side, the harder it is to manipulate to screw at any given club at any given time. So... It'll work, it'll work in our favour. It'll work in favour of every interstate side. Yep. Fair enough. Bring it on. Uh, all, right. all right. Let's talk about Essendon. So even though I haven't watched them this year, had a look at the stats. It wasn't very interesting, but there were a couple of very interesting things about it. Um, so I guess Essendon for this year, they're 6-8 for the season. Somehow they've got six wins. Don't know how. 12th on the ladder. Four losses in the last five games. So two losses, a win, and then two losses. Um, their midfield, they're sixth for clearances despite being 12th on the ladder, and they've got the fifth fewest clearances against. So that's actually, they're performing really well in terms of just winning the ball. But this is where I don't understand what's going on. And Mecca, as the Essendon expert amongst us two, <laughs> yep. uh, I'm going to need your explanation. So they're playing very, very outside football. So even though they're 12th on the ladder, they are third for handballs, fifth mm. for uncontested possession. They have the fewest tackles against. All of which says, hey, well, particularly the last two, hey, we are not going near contests. Uh, they are only 16th for contested possession. They have the fewest contested marks. It's very strange. So, uh, And mm. their kicks, I think their kicking was like 16th for kicks as well. So okay. they're handballing a lot. They are having a lot of uncontested possessions and they're not getting tackled. And it just really seems like they're just playing the most avoidant football that has ever existed at AFL level. Am I right? Well, kind of, yeah. I mean, they like to try and run and carry the footy and use their pace that they've got. Guys like Merritt, Shield, Sard, Parrish, these sorts of guys. Uh, and they try but to use them. they're not running into contests. No, they're not. No, they're, they're a very outside footy team. And uh, that's why they're not yeah. very good. Because they don't win the ball uh, all that much. They rely on their defenders to get it. And then they try and run it out. Um, but then they fail to get it forward and they fail to win games. Simple as that. And you look at their season. Like their season is, they might be six and eight, which you think, well, that's that's you know, kind of reasonable, reasonable-ish. But you look at their actual results, right? They've beaten Frio by a goal, and Frio are terrible. They've beaten Sydney by a goal. Sydney are terrible. They've beaten Collingwood by fifteen yep. points. That's a, that's a good win. I'll give them that. Then they've beaten. Uh, North Melbourne by two goals. North are shit house. Crows by three points. Adelaide yeah. are shit house. Uh, they drew against Gold Coast, who have who've barely won a game in the last two months, and they beat Hawthorne, who mm. are terrible. So they've not, you know, outside of Collingwood, they've not delivered at all this year. And you look at <laughs> look at the decent teams that they've played. You know, they lost to the Bulldogs by forty two points. Lost to Brisbane by sixty three points. Lost to St Kilda by thirty five points. Uh, lost to Richmond, lost to West Coast. So, yeah, they're, they're struggling. Like, six and eight is, you know, I'd be pretty happy with that <laughs> if I was an Eston supporter because I don't think they deserve <laughs> to be on six wins, really. They, they look and they feel like they should be a three-win side this year. So the question I have now is this, like, that the way we describe that game plan, I have never, ever seen any worse fold coach side play like that so is Ben Rutten already the senior coach and is this his style well, I think uh, quite possibly yeah absolutely yeah, yeah I, I, think can imagine I think that's fair I think it's a kind of it's been a kind of multi-house Buckley type situation and maybe Rutten's actually mm. been pulling the reins and Westfall's just there as kind of the, the man manager sort of thing um, at least this year anyway yeah, yeah. Oh, look, I mean, Essendon, yeah. Essendon were a fairly decent side last year. Look, they've got Danaher back, and he's had a good couple of games. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I don't know. They've they've just under-delivered a lot this year, and those results speak for themselves, I think. Which is why they do. <laughs> I am absolutely packing it for this game. I think this is a big test for Port Adelaide. <laughs> 
It shouldn't be though, should it? Like, I no, can't... it shouldn't be a big test at all. This should be an absolute lay down mazette. But uh, I don't think it will be. I think this will be a, a very tight game, and one which will uh, send it through nerves through Port supporters during the game. I reckon. Honestly, I don't agree at all. I think this could be our biggest, biggest win of the year. Okay. Um, even playing half-assed. Yeah. <laughs> just because I just don't, I don't think that. I hope so. I hope so. If we get the ball, what are they going to do about it? What are they yeah. going to do about it? If we get the ball, what are they going to do about it? They're not. You know, like, they haven't got enough going for them. They don't like contests. So mm. unless they somehow play completely the opposite of how they played all year, which is possible, we've seen it happen before. With other teams, anyway, uh, unless they completely invert their game plan, they're not any kind of match for us at all. Mm. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if we had them to like multiple goalless quarters. It wouldn't shock me in the, in the slightest, particularly away from you know uh, um, Dockland Stadium, you know, uh, out in the actual weather, which they've been in more this year than any other year. Let's be fair. Um, mm. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I cannot, I cannot see a win for Essendon this, this week. To be honest, Macker. But uh, anyway. Uh, well, look, they've they've, they've only won one game in the last eight, and they were, what, yeah. six goals down in that game as well and had a miraculous comeback. Yeah. Uh, so they've got zero form to speak of. They got absolutely thumped last week by a huge margin. Um, yep. So, yeah, they've they've got zero form to speak of at all. But, you and know, every, everything I don't know. Everything we're good at is everything they can't beat. Everything we're good at they can't beat. I hope so. Yeah, all right. Well, so. anyway. Uh, ins and outs for Port Adelaide this week. Who knows? This. Butters out, obviously. Thoughts? Well, Butters will be out. Yeah. I, I think it'll just be Butters and out, Laddams in. I reckon that'll be the only uh, change this week. I think it'll be Butters out and uh, Westhoff in. Oh, Burton as well. He's out, isn't he? Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. So yeah. that'll be Butters and Burton out and Laddams and Bonner in. Westhoff and Bonner, but yeah, okay, sure. It'll I be don't want Westhoff in, but It'll I, be I'm, I'm pretty sure he's coming in. No, I don't reckon Laddams is going to come in straight Get away. in there, Laddams. I just don't see it. I'd like him to. I just don't see it. Mm. Um, and as for uh, opposition, I mean, I don't know. Anything interesting happening there, mate? I'm not aware. Who knows? As I said, <laughs> they, they got thrashed last game. So I don't know if they're going to make wholesale changes or what they're going to do. Um yeah. Who knows? Who knows? I mean, it's not like they've got anyone brilliant to come back into their side. I think they're running at full strength-ish. Uh, as I said, Danaher's yeah. back playing. Uh, Stringer's playing. Uh, you know, they've got all their sort of midfielders in there. They've got their, their main defenders in there. So they are what they are at the moment, I think, Essendon. What an indictment. What an indictment on Essendon that they've got such a, you know, right now they've got such a good injury list compared to, you know, what you might expect otherwise, and they're still this bad. Yeah. Yep. Uh, all right. Well, talking Shame. about the game in general, um, we've already touched a little bit on this. Should we be concerned at all about John Westhold and or Benton Rutten as coaches this week? I would hope not. I would hope not. I think they're just no. going through okay. the motions. You know, now that they're, as I said, they're pretty much assured they're not going to make finals. So... I would hope they're just not not going to come and perform, really. Yeah, yeah, look, I think so. And look, whatever's happening in that coach's box, it's not functional. So that's yeah. fine. I don't think we should be worried about it at all. Uh, psychological advantage. Uh, look, it's been a while since we've had one where there might have been a contested psychological advantage. It's definitely not this week. Port Adelaide, top of the ladder, Essendon terrible, and it's in Adelaide. Like, I just can't see any edge for Essendon at all in this game. There's none, surely. As I said, this should be an absolute great win for Port Adelaide. But uh, look, sure. we did we beat them last time. Um, yep. but they do play Adelaide Oval pretty well. They've beaten us twice here before. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, the the only time we've beaten Essendon here was when they had a reserves team because of uh, their drug charges. Uh, so I don't know if that <laughs> plays some some sort of part in this or not, but I would I wouldn't think so. I would hope that uh, we have the advantage for sure. You definitely would. As we should. All right, let's go to questions from Big Queen. 
Okay, the best username on Bigfooty, win-loss, 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 has asked, uh, who will finish higher in the Brownlow, Boke or Hawkins? Boke. It's not even close. Yeah, I mean, I'd want some form of uh, inquest if Hawkins outpolled Boke, to be honest, but... Yeah. Especially well, considering he's a, he's a key forward <laughs> who never score votes. Yeah, okay. Yep, yep, yep. 100%. So, yeah, <gasps> I, I think, uh, yeah, that would that would be a bit strange. Yeah. It would be very strange, and I can't see it. Hmm. What's next? Oh, I'm doing the questions, aren't I? That's right. Uh, Zach Lee. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Zach Lee has asked, uh, I know he's still young, but is it time for Rosie to start dominating a few games and playing at a more consistent level each week? Or is he being hampered by a heel injury this year? I mean, he's clearly being hampered. But honestly, I don't care. If, I don't need Rosie to perform this week. I want him to come out in week one of finals and make every coach rethink their entire plan for playing against Port Adelaide. That's what I want. Yeah. Uh, we, that's when we need him to come good as finals. Right now, it does not matter. It would be a waste. Why, why warn everyone? Just come good in round one of finals and then go from there. That'd be great. Yep. Mm. I like it. Look, if we can just flick the switch and say, hey, Rosie, start dominating, and he does, then we yeah. would have done it by now. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. Look, I'm all for, I'm okay if he's he's had a bit of a down year, he's had a bit of an injury-riddled year. That's fine. He's young. He'll get better. Um, Absolutely. We know he's he's a monster talent. And uh, I've got no doubt that he's going to have a huge year next year. Huge. That'd be great. Huge. Yeah. Uh, Powerade has asked, uh, what chance does Jack Watts have in winning the Brownlow? None. He's a key position player. (laughs) Look, he's probably got more chance than Hawkins, I would say. Look, I think... Yeah, maybe. Look... You don't want to discount him from winning the Brownlow. You no. don't want to discount him. I think the fact he hasn't played a game this year might hamper his chances a little bit. Um, not 100% yeah. sure, though. You never know. You never know. Um, you never know. You never know. And he's also asked, will we see him this week in 2020 or ever again? Uh, look, if we don't see him um, in 2020, I think he's done at the end of the year then. Surely. He's done, mate. He's done. I reckon he's gone. He would have played by now if we yeah. had any any uh, hope of <laughs> of wanting to see him next year. I think. When you look at the cavalcade of defenders that we've brought in instead of him, that tells you where he's in the totem pole. So um, no, he's in. Uh, he's on the out. Yeah. Uh, Zach Lee is also mm-hmm. asked. So I remember Porsche being very excited when we drafted Butters. I'm curious to know what you both saw in him as a junior player and whether he played like he does now back then. Why didn't he get drafted earlier? Uh, I liked him because he was a, a huge competitor. Um, mm-hmm. That was it for me. Like, that was the main reason I liked Butters. Like, you know, I, I have a reputation for not being the biggest fan of drafting small players in the first round. Um, it has been commented on in the past. But uh, look, in Zach Butters, he's just an absolute competitor. He had really uh, a really high level of football. I think the main knocks on him were his size. Um, but not even then, it wasn't so much of a knock that he didn't get drafted first round or that he wouldn't have got drafted immediately after we passed on him if we passed on him. Um, but also just his ability to get volume of the ball, which is, I think, was one of the other concerns for a first round pick. You know, um, like the Jai Coldwell went to pick before him, as far as production, like Coldwell was probably ahead. Um, but for me, yeah, it was just mostly about Butters having that really competitive spirit. And I think that we've seen that just grow and grow. It's been absolutely fantastic to see. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. What are your thoughts, Maka? Um, when did I first notice him? That would that would be because of Mish. Um, he saw him okay. as a bottom major and said, "Hey, sent me a message and said, hey, check this guy out,' which I did. And look, Western Jets are my sort of a quote unquote NAB League team. I like them and seem to to like yeah. their players more than others. Um, and yeah, I watched him most games or most of the highlights in his bottom age year and he looked bloody brilliant playing on a wing and on a flank and uh, you know showed a lot of class a lot of a lot of pace good ball winning ability and uh, unfortunately his uh, his top age season he got injured and missed pretty much the whole second half of the season from memory uh, because of his shoulder which might have something to do with why he uh, he dropped a little bit but you know he's a uh, 
don't know. Why didn't why did he go where he went? He went pick twelve, which is quite high. And you look at the players yeah, ahead of I, him, like Jack Lacocious is a you know, look like a once in a generation talent as a key forward. He was absolutely stunning. Yeah. Uh, Max King and Ben King both dominated as, as key toll. So they were always going to go ahead. Nick Blakey as well was always going to go yeah. ahead. Sam Walsh is probably the fittest, hardest running midfielder ever seen at underage level. Isaac Rankin was, mm. you know, potentially elite straight off the bat. Connor Rosie, yep. you know, we all know how good he is. Bailey Smith, a huge ball winning midfielder. Oh, uh, Tar- Taron yeah, yeah. Thomas, you know, Chase Jones is a bit of is probably the odd one out. <laughs> um, it's like, honestly, I'm sure they would love to change that pick. Absolutely. They would. So I, I think th- this is what I, I had as my draft notes, which I put on Big Footy and what we spoke about in the draft podcast that oh. year. So I said, Zach is a small outside midfielder who has good inside skills and can play on a flank. He has elite skills, is a hard runner, and is full of impact. The best part of Zach's game is his football IQ. He's a natural footballer. He's a great user of the ball by hand and has an excellent right foot kick, which consistently hits targets. He can see the play unfold and makes decisions for the betterment of his team. Whilst not blessed with great top-end speed, he's, he's pacey off the mark, always seems to be moving, and knows how to get separation on his opponent. Uh, he's a hard runner, has good endurance, and is hard to curtail uh, for this fact. Defensively, he could be better. His defensive pressure needs to improve, and he can bowl watch on occasion. Uh, whilst he looks good, sorry, whilst he looks great on the outside, he does have good inside ability. He can win the hard bowl. He puts his head over the footy and is capable of copping a hit. Uh, when playing through the midfield, he is capable of winning first possession and getting clearances. Depending on the club, Zach is capable of fitting into AFL footy straight away. He will need to put on some extra size, but he has the smart supply on a flank in year one. And I said his draft range was 10 to 20. He's one of the classiest players in this year's draft pool. Uh, Port at pick 10 will be the first team to consider him. Geelong at 12, Adelaide at 13, Freo at 14, and Richmond at 17. We'll look at him. I think that sounds about right. Yeah. That, sounds, that sounds like Zach Butters, I reckon. I've got down here in my notes, most, my most likely to play in a premiership outside the top 10. Yep. Tick. There you go. <laughs> could be this year, Porsche. Could be this year he gets that done. Look, it could be. Who knows? Hmm. Potentially. I can't... Uh, oh, yeah, honestly, yeah. Adelaide, draft, Adelaide drafting Chase Jones, there's no way that is falls to us uh, if, they, if they don't draft Jones. Because if they'd gone for Caldwell, Blakey still would have gone about when he did. And let's see. Uh, would we? Yeah. And then Greater West Sydney, they would have taken Butters for sure. Yeah. Surely. Oh, I think so. I know we were super keen on Coldwell. And if he was there, he would yeah. have been our pick. Yeah, that... um, yeah, probably. But I'm glad we got Butters. Yeah, I'm stoked. It's really good. Mm, absolutely. Um, last question is from Interstater. If you could have three or four players play in different positions, who would they be and where? At Port, um, oh gosh, I don't know. Uh, oh, okay. Every time Charlie Dixon gets put in ruck, I'd love to play him as a full forward. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's the number one. Uh, every time uh, Riley Bonney gets named, I'd love to play him in the scratch match that is not the AFL game. <laughs> Um, in any position. <laughs> uh, when Westhoff play is named as a forward, I'd like him to play as a forward. Um, and uh, oh, I can't, I can't, I'm, I'm out of bones. I'm feeling that fourth one. <laughs> um, look, for me, I think the main one for me would be Bonner. Um, I'd like to yeah. see him on a wing or across half forward because I think his positive traits would be successful in those positions. Um, because he's got decent... He's 191 centimetres, so he's got decent height. Uh, he's quick, so he's good. On, he could be good on a lead. Um, we know he's deadly with the bowl, and we've watched him kick goals from outside 50 on numerous occasions. So he can do that. I think in that sort of role, he'd be more successful than what his current role is. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing Rosie yeah. across half-back just to try and get him into oh, the game a bit more no. on occasion. And, you know, if I had my way, then Hamish Harlow would have been playing midfield um, still yep. <laughs> and not uh, not across half-back. 
But they'd probably be the only ones, I would think, off the top of my head. Yeah, I mean, I think I think most of them are at where they probably should be. It's not it's not like the old day of Vic Salter or anything like that. It's um, mm. mostly players with like particularly with the drafted players. Like we've drafted them in the positions, and they're playing those positions for the most part. So yeah. it's and you know the traded ones too, obviously. But yeah, mm. it's not really any surprises. Uh, in terms of where we play players for the, the type of player they are. Um, yep. The exceptions being the ones I mentioned, being like Westhoff, throwing Dixon in the ruck for no good reason. Um, yeah, those are the two big ones that shit me up every time, but uh, apart yeah. from that, they're mostly where they should be. Yep. Um, last one on uh, the Spreaker chat from Scott is thoughts on our upcoming father-son and Lockie Jones. Uh, well, I don't have any because I haven't seen any football that relates to them. I haven't seen any highlights that relates to them. I, I don't have anything, Macca. What do you got? Uh, look, Lockie Jones has had a great season for the Eagles in in the league team. Uh, I think he's played every game at league level this year, and look, he looks absolutely ready to go. He'll most likely play round one next year, I reckon. Um, you know, He's big, wow. he's solid, looks like a man, has a, has a thumping kick. There's comparisons to Shannon Hearn, and I think on... On a simple level, that's probably correct. He does have a lot of similar traits to what Shannon Hearn did as a as a youngster. Um, he might be a little bit more defensive than what Hearn was, um, but look, he he looks uh, he looks very good. Um, and look, he's flown up the rankings. I remember like this time last year, people were talking about him as a you know second or third round pick, and I think um, <clears throat> you know most of the the scribes that you that you want to pay attention to, like AFL Draft Central and um, and Toomey, they've got him sort of, you know, top 12, I think, on their sort of draft rankings yeah. at the moment. So he uh-huh. certainly shot up there. So he might be, yeah, where he gets bid on, I don't know, but uh, hopefully it falls a little bit below that. Um, Taj Schofield probably hasn't developed the way that I would have liked. Um mm. I remember him as a 16-year-old in the waffle, and he just he was dominating as a at under 18 level, and he like it's like his output hasn't really improved from that point. Um, you know, he's he's short. He's a I think he's 178 centimeters. Uh, what he does do really well, he's kind of a little bit like Zach Butters, I think. Um, you know, he's a one-touch player. He's great around the stoppages. Uh, knows how to get the ball. Very clean, very quick with his hands. Um, outstanding foot skills, as you would expect from a Schofield. Um, but yeah, the fact that he hasn't really developed, you know, he missed a lot of footy last year with injuries. He's missed some footy this year with injuries, and he's still playing under eighteen mm-hmm. footy. I would have, I would have hoped he would have sort of uh, progressed through the ranks a little bit more by now. Um, so two, a couple and of years ago. Oh, he's hundred. He's one hundred seventy-eight centimeters. He's fairly well built. Yeah. Um, yeah, but short. But short. Yeah. Um, look, I, I think there's definite AFL potential there, um, but he's probably gone from. He's probably gone the opposite way to Jones in that he looked like being a first-round mm-hmm. pick a couple of years ago, and now he looks like, you know, we might get him for a third or a fourth rounder. He might go pretty late. Um, but well, I, I think there's definite potential there, and I think he could potentially play a lot of AFL footy still. It's going to be really interesting, and particularly given you know the basic shutdown of Victorian uh, junior football, it's going to be absolutely fascinating to see how the different clubs will approach, particularly bidding, but just the draft in general this year, um, as to what is valued. What what do they value? Like, do they do like Port did last year? Do they just go off the under eight years and draft on that basis? You know, how much how much do they take note of exposed form in this year? Yeah. Uh, and how much do they do things that clubs sometimes do, like pay attention to bloodlines and then work on that basis that uh, someone that who's one of their parents is a professional sports person or professional footballer, ideally, that they are more likely to be something than nothing. Um, and if you look at that, like just even if Schofield, you know, got injured at the start of the season after playing one terrible game or something, he—it's hard to imagine he'd go in the third or fourth round just because this year has so many questions about it, and he probably seems like a little bit more of a safe bet than other players might. But on the other hand, with the Victorian underage teams being so heavily shut down, 
does this mean this is a year when Victorian teams are going to be doing the equivalent of what West Coast does every year and trying to sort of hire players and see, hope that they'll go later in the draft? Yeah. And which ones are they going to find out about? Which ones are going to become public knowledge? Which ones are the ones that everyone's going to... There's going to be so much secrecy, Mac. There's going to be so much secrecy this year about this stuff and uh, so many teams trying not to blow up for Victorian talent or maybe if there's another team that they recognise is into someone that they're not, they might blow up and say, oh, they're really into it. It's going to be so much drama this year for the drafting uh, uh, the drafting spectacle. It's going to be really interesting. Absolutely fascinating. And it's, it's going to be some very big winners. This is the most fascinating draft of all time that there will ever be. Oh. Because oh. Yeah. Like, the teams that spend a lot of time doing the groundwork at under 16, under, under 17 level, mm-hmm. like bottom age level, will be in absolute prime position yeah. because they'll know the players. Uh, even though it's based off prior form, They'll know the players. They'll know who should have developed and yada, yada, all that sort of stuff. But it just looks like being such a fascinating year. You know, like the the main draft pool being Victorians haven't played a single game this year. <laughs> like, it's just, yeah. Yeah. You know, like it's just unbelievable how, how it's going to work out and how much weight you put behind the South Australian and the WA players and the, uh, and the, the, the northern, yeah. northern states. We've played a little bit. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. It's just fascinating. Like, And and you, you you do feel for some of the Victorian players because there's a lot of players that, you know, in, in every draft that usually aren't really on the radar from their bottom age yeah. year and then they just burst up the ranks. Uh, guys like Clayton Oliver, yep. guys like Hugh McCluggage, um, Andrew McGrath, these guys weren't really on the radar um, at the start of their top age year, and then they just had such a great season. Um, so you feel for some of those kids that you know maybe thought maybe they were a little bit injury riddled last year, and, and they would have thought you know this year's going to be my year where I really put my name in lights and get drafted, and they haven't had that opportunity. Um, so you definitely feel for a lot of players out there. Um, but look, I think. This will uh, there'll, there'll be a bit of a knock-on effect. I think you'll see a lot of overage yeah. kids get drafted uh, next year uh, because of it. I think they're going to change. They've either changed or are going to change the rules to the NAB League and make it an under nineteen league. I think from memory. Okay. Um, so that'll help those sorts of players out for sure. And the other interesting thing is like. Traditionally, like when you draft a player that's a bottom age player for the year, like there's always that little bit of like, oh, are we getting a bit of a bargain? Mm. Well, this year, like it's even more that because they were bottom age in their under age, like the year beforehand, and then they've also got a full year of, oh, they could be anything. Like it's going to be interesting to see how that sort of class of player goes as well, how high yeah. they go, and yeah. how crazy the bidding can get on that sort of player. Just so many factors to consider. Like if we come out of this draft with a good draft, there's, yeah, that would be the most amazing thing. Um, it, I think every club is going to have such a challenge this year to, to draft well, and yeah. some clubs are going to absolutely completely screw up. There's no doubt about it. It's going to be absolutely diabolical for them. For sure. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> uh, Ryan has asked uh, what our top three uh, trade options are for Port. Uh, well, we mentioned Perryman on Tuesday. Yeah. Uh, Perryman would be great if you can get Perryman. I, I like him. Uh, yeah. I liked him in his draft year. He's great to get. I think he's a good team guy. Um, you mentioned that he'd fit in that Ebert role, and I think he'd fit in that Ebert role in every way. I think as, as a player, and I also just think as a presence at the club, I think he's just a good, seems like a good team guy. Yeah. Um, so he's probably top. Uh, who else is up for grabs? So it's the real question. Like we don't, we don't, I don't know. I haven't really looked at it too yeah. much. Definitely not Orazio Fantasia. You got any thoughts, Maka? Um, I would say. Uh, what's his name? <laughs> oh, I've just had a mental break. Brad Crouch. No. Brad Crouch would be my number one. I think he would oh, add a lot to our yeah, midfield. Okay. Um, so he'd be my number one. I would definitely have Perryman up there because um, he's just such a plug-and-play type guy. can play anywhere and would certainly be a lock you know, to play 150-plus games for Port Adelaide. Uh, so if we can make that happen, that'd be great. Um, now, we're not. In- I don't think we're interested in these guys at all. Uh, but I'd love for us to attack Aiden Core in free agency because uh, I think he's the right size, right age bracket for our defensive group. 
and if not him, then Jared Brander at West Coast because I reckon he'd fit in across yeah. centre halfback pretty well. Yeah, look, Jared Brander would be pretty good. Um, I'm not sure how much he costs though. That'd be the real concern there. Oh, he'd um, cost a fair bit. <laughs> he would cost a yeah. fair bit. Yeah, and I guess, and I look, I think that we'd probably be looking for bargain basement, which is why I'm more thinking like someone like Harrison Petty at Demons, who we liked as a junior, but who's been at Demons. Um, you know, I've. He would probably be like a, a true bargain basement pickup. He might even get delisted this year. Who knows? I don't oh, know. Could, yeah. But it'd be worth. I think it's worth. Um, yeah. yeah it's, it's not as though it's not as Melbourne has. I don't know. They traded guys in and got May and Lever and blah blah blah. But the truth is that Melbourne's key position backman. Like if he was, if he was knocking on the door, he'd be in the side every week. It's, they're not that good. Well, that. That concerns me about Petty is because Melbourne haven't yeah, been that yeah, good. That and you've got someone like Oscar McDonald who's played, you know, countless games oh, over the last so few bad. years and Petty's played about six. So, so that makes me think, is is Petty good enough to play AFL footy or is there a Look, genuine reason be. why he's not playing? And honestly, the fact that we might have already made that call, that might be why we've been for Sini two years. You know, that yeah. might be part of it. We've decided, yeah, no. Nah, this is we're happy with what we've got. We can't see anything else out there that is in the price range we want to pay. Um, yeah, I'd say that's probably it. Look, I don't think we're going to do big trades this year. Um, no. When we're talking about trade targets, like if Perryman comes up, I think we would jump at that one. As you said, Brad Crash. Look, if that comes up, you'd at least have to have the discussion, right? For sure. Um, but apart from that, I don't see us. I don't see us making a big move. I don't. I don't think this is the season for it. I think that one of the things that we love doing as a football club is messing around a lot with draft picks, and draft picks have become Overnight, the most uncertain investment for any football club. So yeah. their value is going to be in the toilet. <laughs> it's going to be in the toilet as a tradable prospect, except for clubs that right at the top of the ladder, right so right at the top of the order, because at least that way they will have more, a higher proportion of what you're trading for is the opportunity to pick first, if that yeah. makes sense, as opposed to the quality of the player. Mm. Um yeah, it's going to be interesting. I mean, I think that our picks are just for points now, particularly with Jones maybe going up the order and who knows where Schofield's going to go. Um, and as far as the trading, yeah, look, I mean, there might be more player-for-player trading this year, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, in, which case, what, in which case, when you do player-for-player, player, you're usually trying to address a genuine need. And um, I don't know, like we're top of the letter, what are our genuine needs that we could get in a player-for-player player swap? I'm not sure there'd be too many right now. Hmm. That would not not that wouldn't harm us because the players that we think are extendable, they're guys that are you know at the end of their career, and the guys that we would not want to trade that other clubs would want to trade, like we don't want to trade them. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. I just don't see it. Yeah, fair enough. <clears throat> yeah. Mm. All right. So that's all the questions. That's it. Move on then. All right. So Maka, let's get into it. What's your winning side and margin? Oh God, this. This makes me nervous, but uh, I, I want it to be Port Adelaide oh, by 35 points. I've got Port by 60. I'm really confident we're just going to obliterate them this week. Fair Why enough. wouldn't we? Why shouldn't we? We should mm. absolutely destroy them. Uh, highest score kicker for Port Adelaide? Uh, I'm going to say Dixon with four. Yeah, Dixon, Dixon with four. I had Dixon as mine. I'll go with four as well. That sounds about right. Because yep. What are they going to do about it? Nothing. Nothing. They got nothing. They got to do nothing. Uh, weekly update. Well, that's sort of ruined because I normally would ask how good is Zach Butters, and he's still extremely good. He's just not going to be playing footy for a couple of weeks, which is quite sad. He's um, going to be good. He's just going to be sitting he... on the beach or something instead. So he'll he'll be good. How good would that um, be? Yeah, it'd be great to if it'd be great to just have him sitting there on the bench ripping out the players. That'd be fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. Uh, Sack Hinkley. Sign yes. Hinkley still. Sign him. Five years. Uh, Make it happen. Okay. And uh, are there any other games that you're looking forward to this week? Oh, I don't know. What other games are there? Let's let's have a look. Let's have a look. Mm. I mean, tonight's will be interesting. I don't know what the score is in tonight, so I don't really want to know. Look, tomorrow night's game will be a cracker, Geelong Richmond. That'll be uh, that'll be Should something be. to watch for sure. It'll be important for us. Uh, the Bryce Gibbs farewell game. That'll be uh, something I won't be watching. <laughs> that'll be one. No, me either, but it would be wonderful. Um, I don't know, like... That's about it, really, though, isn't it? There's not a lot of... Yeah. It's only the first yeah. two games, John I think, Ke- for me. John... 
John Richmond probably the match of the round just on paper. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Apart from the Gibbs Bowl. Mm. <laughs> the Gibbs Betts Cup. I've been reliably informed that uh, Jerry McGovern's done his hamstring. So that's um Oh that's a big loss for them. Uh, it is, it is. Hmm. All right. Well, anyway, look, I think we can wrap it up then, Maka. This is something so. longer than I expected. I got yeah. Good questions. The old secret. Good, yep. questions. Good questions. Oh, here's another one. Last one. We've got last question here from Scott yep. on the uh, speaker chat. I'm not sure you'll be able to contribute to this one, but thoughts on Jason Burgoyne. Jason Burgoyne. I've got nothing. Go got nothing. Well, I've watched him play a few games this year. I want to watch him play a few more, but... Um, He's been getting huge numbers in the under-18s and, uh, you know, sort of mid-30s most weeks, that sort of thing. Um, to start the season, he was playing in the back line. He's very, very thin, like wafer thin at the moment. And he's to start the season, he was kind of not playing on anybody. He was playing as a loose man down back and, uh, and getting a lot of ball that way. Uh, but what I've really liked is that in the last uh, sort of three to five weeks, he's... Uh, transferred into the midfield and he's not only getting big numbers but he's getting sort of big clearance numbers and that sort of thing as well, tackle numbers. Um, so I think there's a lot to like about Jace Burgoyne and he could be someone that could potentially be a first-round pick next year. Um, obviously, there's still a long way to go and you've got to weigh in what's going to happen with Victorians next year as well. But um, look, he's yeah. doing everything right at the moment. Like he's getting a lot of the ball... Uh, he's pretty dangerous with it. He's got decent pace uh, when he wants to. He, he can look a little bit laconic out there, uh, but when he really wants to put the jets on, he can move. And, um, yeah, he's he's certainly an exciting player and one that I'm going to enjoy watching next year as well. Well, that's good to hear. Although, just hearing that description and not keeping it attached to the name, it really sounds like a, a classic Terry Wallace player. <laughs> <laughs> Terry Wallace, Scott Clayton, you know, back in that era, just the guy that can run and kind of slight and has a lot of talent and speed and then, yeah, tended more. So hopefully he can I, I would more. say he's I a bit of a, he's a, there's a bit of Geordie McMahon about him, but um, that's that's not yeah. very nice. Yeah. That's not a very nice yeah. thing to say. So I would it's say that the there's, there's more. <laughs> yeah. Actually, he's not too different from a Farron Ray type. I was going to say sort of a late that's, era that's Peter Burgoyne. That's what he's sounding like. Yeah. He's, that's what he's sounding like, though, yeah. Yeah. Oh, but no, right. there's there's Any a lot time? to like about him. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be a joy to watch him over the next uh, 18 months. Yeah. Oh, that's excellent. That's good. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, let's just wrap it up. That's and it. I was, I was just when – when you had that last question, I was just about to say the way that we can make a podcast longer every time is to talk about the draft. And, hey, you managed to even yes. get to the end there, so it's good. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, look, uh, in that case, look, everyone – Watch the game this week. Double, at least double the amount of games of Essendon you've watched this year. That, that's certainly going to be the case unless you are unfortunate enough to have an association with an Essendon fan. I'm so sorry. Mm. Uh, apart from that, uh, go for it, pretty much. Can't port. Can't port. Can't port. Can't port. Ports. <laughs>